today's podcast, we are talking hoops. One hour strong with Brian Windhorst, trying to figure out the West. Who can be the guys at the end of the year with the trophy and the Bill Russell trophy as well? Some trade speculation, which I think is important as we get closer to the rumor season. Uh, and who's the next Matt Star? I don't know if we can come up with one. I have an open on Micah Parsons. Why is it okay for all of us to talk about Jalen Hurts, but not him? I'll try to figure out why that is the case. Life advice and our FanDuel contest rolls on. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's french fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a french fry from McDonald's unless you're eating my french fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. I want to start today's podcast by talking about Micah Parsons and something he said about Jalen Hurts. Basically, he had said on a podcast with Von Miller, the Von cast, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, is it really Hurts? Is it, is it Hurts or is it the team? Now, there's a reason I wanted to do this because the way my job will work and the way I think about doing these opens is I'll see something kind of happen. And then all of a sudden, like, especially in this case, you'll be like the main guy everybody's talking about on Twitter for a day or two. And then everybody's pissed at you. And then I'm thinking like, oh, man, I can't believe he said that. Now, knowing that this podcast is like all in on Jalen Hurts on top of everything else. Sorry, it took us so long. But I'm thinking like, OK, let me think back to all the Micah Parsons stuff. And now I'm going to build my open around this because I can't believe he said this, just like everybody else. Right. I was mad for you. I was mad for Jalen Hurts. I was mad for Eagles fans. And I had it all mapped out. Analogies. I was ready to go. And I want to remind you of the of the Parsons MVP timeline because I even brought it up here on this podcast. Right. I had talked about it because I'd love to figure out a way to get a non-quarterback to win the MVP award the same way I'd like a non-quarterback to win the Heisman, but it's the most important position in all of sports. So it's just really hard to not win it. Uh, if Aaron Donald never won it, an interior defensive lineman are at even a bigger disadvantage than edge guys because it's just sexier to watch guys on the edge than it is to watch a guy destroy uh, the line of scrimmage from the middle. If Donald can't ever win one, I don't know if anybody's ever going to win one on the defensive side of the ball again, right? It would have to also be how bad is the rest of the quarterback class that year? Is it a really down quarterback year? Because that's the other part of this. Now, whenever we talk NBA MVP, one of my least favorite mechanisms in that discussion will be, hey, here are the two or three guys that are probably going to win it. And then somebody's great for a couple of weeks, like DeMar DeRozan last season, who was unbelievable for those two weeks. Game winners all over the place, huge numbers. And then it's like, how come he's not in the conversation? You're like, cool. What do you want me to do? Mention him more and then say he's definitely not winning. Okay, cool. You win. We did it. So Parsons, when I brought it up, I think it was with Peter Schrager, and people started bringing it up a little bit more. 
Then Parsons actually tweeted about it, like basically paraphrasing, why does it always have to be a QB? And then I thought to myself, okay, is he pulling kind of an MV, uh, MVP thing with the NBA or even better, the defensive player of the year stuff? Like the crying that went on from players about not winning defensive player of the year in the NBA was kind of embarrassing. I love Bam, would have voted for him, but he missed a bunch of games. And for whatever reason, he can't seem to figure that out. Embiid had one post-game presser where it was almost like he was breaking down, suggesting like the world was out to get him, everything crumbling around him just because he wasn't the favorite to win the MVP because Jokic, I voted for Jokic. I thought it was really, really close. I think Giannis could have won one if he hadn't won one already last year. That's how good he was. But voters can get, um, they get bored sometimes, right? They want to pick the new guy. I'll try to never do that. Um, and that could possibly happen with the defensive players. So then I started thinking like, oh, wait. So Parsons said some shit about Hurts. And he's already kind of doing a, a low-key campaign for like, how come I can't win it? And so I'm ready to go. I, I had my open ready. Like I said, analogies, comps. I was going to lay into Micah Parsons a little bit. And then I had this mind-blowing idea. Sit down for this one. It's pretty rare concept. I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to what he said before I talk about it. <laughs> I know. It's fucking crazy, right? I was like, let me hear what he actually said. And I try to always do this, okay? For the most part, I will, especially if I'm going to craft an entire open on something. Where you're like, if I'm going to spend 10 minutes on this topic and I'm going to have a hard opinion, then maybe I need to make sure I've listened or read everything that I can on this thing, right? And even then, it doesn't always happen. Because I'll admit, especially the last few years, like here's an example. Um, when I read something now, I'll be like, I wonder if that's true. <laughs> I think getting older and being more well-read is becoming less and less impressionable. Now, I don't know that you want to be completely stubborn and never believe anything because that's kind of annoying too than why you're reading in the first place. But I can speak specifically to the two lanes that I'm kind of in, right? When it comes to politics, I just assume everybody's lying to me. When it comes to economic stuff, I'm not sure. Uh, but when it comes to like coverage of ESPN when I worked there and people would say, well, this is what happened and I'd read something and I'd say 90% of the time, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely not what happened. So then you started thinking like, wait, is this how every other story is covered? Like, this is fucking crazy. Like sometimes there'll be a basketball thing. Well, I'll know. And, and certainly there's so much information out there that I'm not confirmed on any of it. But the, the rare chance that I'll have like now, I know exactly what happened and that's not what happened. So it makes you think like, wait, is this what's happening every time I'm reading something? So in this case, I was like, wait, we have audio from the Vaughncast. We have Micah Parsons talking about Jalen Hurts. What is it that he said that was so terrible? Listen for yourself. Hurts or the team? <sighs> I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a little <laughs> it's, it's system and team. I think it's a little bit of both, man, because they got a great deep, they got a great offensive line, which helps Hurts. Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. They got a good running game. I mean, um, Miles Sanders. They scheme that they they scheme that they have. O line. Yeah. I mean, bro, bro like it, like. <laughs> And this Eagles Cowboys, the Eagles Cowboys coming up, ain't it? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to make no enemies. I, I just like, I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that like, I can't, I, I like, I like when things are off, I, I just can't like hold it in. Like I almost gotta say something. Like you know, you're right. They got, they got a great team, great defense. But everyone, everyone has their own opinions. Like, but they got so Jalen Hurts is 
M- he's, he's good. He's he, good. They got him for the MVP race with Patrick Mahomes. It isn't that bad. It isn't. It isn't that bad. Here's a question for you. All right. Here's really the meat of what I'm trying to say here. Why am I allowed to talk about whether or not a quarterback is propped up by a system or a team, but an active NFL player is not? Do you understand how fucking stupid that is? Now, it probably speaks to these rules that we're still not really sure what they are anymore, but we were just used to them because we had them for a really, really long time. You're not supposed to talk about the opponent. You're not supposed to give people bulletin board material. Uh, But now we have people, we have players, active players, with podcasts all over the place, okay? And congrats to these guys for actually saying something interesting, right? We have active players in roles on television. We have Draymond Green on TNT while he's still on the Warriors. When Josh Norman was hired to do that weird segment for NFL Sunday that he taped on his off day, again, this is like, I think, seven years ago when he did this, it was a topic on radio and television shows. Like, wow. Why would an active player do this? Why would he be allowed to do this? This can't sit well. This is going to start all these different things. And then people like completely forgot about it. Like nobody even cared. Like when Draymond was on TNT the beginning of the year, right after punching Jordan Poole, and it's like, hey, you were in Japan. Let's talk about how awesome that was. Yes, that felt a little weird. But I think by now we're like, oh, Draymond's on TNT. And in this case with Von Miller, who's now hurt but was active, he's chopping it up with another edge guy And they're talking about all sorts of stuff. And he's essentially asking questions that we ask about a lot of quarterbacks all the time. Now, I may think he's wrong. You may think he's wrong. But I don't know that it's what his opinion is. I think it's that it's an active player saying it. And we're still not caught up. We're not used to this. And considering some of the reaction from the Eagles players, we thought like, yeah, this is why Parson shouldn't do it. Right. Multiple players had stuff to say about this. One tackle said, quote, Micah should worry about his game next week. I don't know who the fuck they got. Uh, They asked Jalen Hurts. Hurts was like, we're focused on the Bears. Went full Belichick on everybody in the press conference. And yet Hurts is applauded because we're holding him to the standard that he's not actually supposed to respond. He's not supposed to say anything interesting. Now, Hurts wouldn't because he's super buttoned up guy. But we would have then reacted as if he were doing something wrong. If he went right back at Parsons, which we actually should all enjoy. I know that I would have. You're not supposed to talk about the other players. Why? Because of the Bolton thing I mentioned before. That's so overrated and stupid. Um, You're not supposed to talk about the players because why? Coaches, especially NFL coaches, are psychos that are control freaks. Yes, that's true. Like Belichick, when the other team stunk, would talk about how awesome their punter was. Okay? But there's also something else that's happening here, and it has nothing to do with us. It's that no one gets more irrationally mad than pro athletes. No one is more excited to be mad about something that happened than pro athletes. You know how you might be like, sometimes I'll be like, all right, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be a confrontation. I know I'm right. I actually can't wait to get on the call. It's going to be fun. It's going to be like two days from now. I'm excited. Multiply that by a billion with athletes. Baseball players get pissed if you look at a home run too long. They get so mad about everything You're like, what was the parenting situation with you guys? But it's the norm in baseball. Basketball, just this past week, we had Zion dunk on the Suns, 360, end of the game. You would have thought he publicly, like you would have thought he DM'd another guy's wife and then screen grabbed it and shared it with everybody, right? We had, this is an absurd one. Rudy Gobert back in Utah, tribute video. Uh, Malik Beasley, now on the Jazz as part of that trade, 
He hit a three in front of the Timberwolves bench, shook his ass, where then D'Angelo Russell just sort of shoved him away. Gobert at the other end, at the end of the game, dunks, and Beasley's like, he disrespected the game. (laughs) So this is what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a collection of guys that as much as I love it all and talk about them nonstop and have made a living of 20 years talking about these dudes, I can't help but laugh and be like, you guys love getting pissed off at the dumbest shit ever. So I think that plays in our reaction of how we we consume any active player, talk about another active player, in this case with Parsons on Hertz. So even if he's totally wrong on Hertz, like we've said, think about this. Micah Parsons is sitting with Vaughn Miller on their podcast, and they're talking about the NFL, which is kind of what I would expect. And Parsons asks a question, and it feels loaded. It feels disrespectful. I think it's wrong, and it does have a hint of like, well, maybe I'm knocking another MVP guy that I competing that I'd be competing with. But at least he said something on one of these athlete pods. So I'll ask it again: Why is it that fans, that media, that public, like we can? We can talk about this stuff nonstop, but we still have not adapted to the idea that two active NFL players would be chopping it up, discussing another quarterback. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it'd been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Ryan Rosilla podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's French fries changed my life. They taught me to want. They taught me the taste of anticipation. There's no wrong way to eat a French fry from McDonald's. Unless you're eating my French fries. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. The legend, Brian Windhorst, joins us the on legend. a Friday podcast. The legend, um, Hoop Collective, ESPN. I was just listening to he and the boys this morning. How are you? I'm good, man. Um, it's it's a great week to be in LA. There's um, games six straight days. If you count the two local teams, you know you count the Lakers and Clippers. There was five teams in the city yesterday, and like actually kind of like six because the Wolves stayed over and left. And the Nuggets and Wizards both arrived. Like literally, if you are in the right place at the right time, you literally are falling over 
NBA players at this time of year um, when you're here like on a heavy week. So it's a great NBA week to be in LA. Are you working on a story? Is that why you're here? Or is it just like, no, really just, I'm doing NBA today. And it's, you know, when you come out here, it's ideal to come out here when both teams are in town. And uh, it's just, they've had, there's games that uh, I almost said staples at crypto six straight days, six yeah. straight days. So it's just, you know, it's awesome. We saw each other at the Lakers. Uh, that was an unbelievable atmosphere. Like the game was kind of going the way I thought it was going to go. Was Boston was up. Lakers furious come back. Uh, I noticed while I was watching, I was like, I don't think Darvin Ham subbed any of these guys. Uh, the you were right. Quarter. You yeah. were right. What did you think of that? I kind of understood why I did it. I don't know that people like doing it. I don't know, man. They played the, they played that game like a playoff game. They did. Um, uh, I think at one point he wanted to take LeBron out, and LeBron said no. Um, I think AD did the same. And look, you don't play a game thinking it's going to overtime. You play a game thinking it's going to win, and um, or it's going to end in regulation. And when it goes to overtime, sometimes you get screwed. You get screwed with decisions you made, and so that's what, it's, it's like a, it's like you know in baseball where you like use your closer and then he blows the save or something, and now your bullpen is completely jacked up for extra innings. So they paid the price. It was a great NBA game. You know, I openly admit that there are as a for paying fans that the NBA is routinely treating paying fans poorly. Um, you know, this game I was at on Thursday night, which was Clippers Suns, the Clippers lineup was just, I mean, it, it was fortunate for the fans that Booker came back. He probably shouldn't have come back from his hamstring, but at least, you know, Booker played, he was terrible, but you know, and it's like, it's a real problem when you are telling your customers, you know, that, that there are certain games that the play, the teams don't care about. And that's a real, like, existential problem that's existed in the NBA for five years and they will exist for more. But then you go to a game like Lakers Clippers and that is NBA basketball kind of at its height. I'm not saying it was the greatest, you know, high, you know, high quality play, but runs, stars, shot making, um, you know, all the emotions, highs and lows. And like, that's something that the NBA can deliver. And that's one of the things that I've long been an advocate of that I don't think that, and we, I say we, I mean, we at ESPN, the NBA writ large, like most nights in the NBA, something truly awesome takes place. It isn't in all 12 games or seven games that are played, but what sustains people as an NBA fan are when there's something really cool. And that was a really cool game. Celtics uh, Lakers. It wasn't a really cool game the next two nights at, at uh, Crypto, the two Clippers games I went to after that. But, you know, um, the NBA at its top level is still one of the best products in the world. And that's what you had that night. Yeah, that was uh, one of my favorite regular season games I've ever been to. Okay, I want to stay on something you just hit on there because we've been talking about this now for a couple of years uh, players missing games. And, you know, the Clippers, if you keep it specific to them, I get their argument. You know, I get what they would say. But when I looked at the top 25 scores last year and I went through it because I just was like, let me do something really simple. I'm not going to make it a complicated stat. I was like, how many games are these players missing on average a season? And it was like 20 games. And then I went back like five years prior and it was six. 
I go, this is a problem. Now, you could have still made the argument with COVID protocols, although I think it was only like 1,500 games missed total due to those health and safety protocols. So that number wasn't as big as maybe you would think. And then maybe it was like year three coming out of a weird timeline of events that teams were still very, like, very much like protective of, of what they wanted to do with their guys. I'll see how that number plays out this year. But you and I both know that as much as people like Adam Silver, that the big complaint is, is that he's letting the players do this or he's letting the teams do this because the players want to do it. However you want to kind of focus the, the path of the blame that Silver's considered softer on the players than Stern was, which actually may be a compliment, okay? Because <laughs> Stern, <laughs> Stern could be pretty aggressive. But when the TV money keeps going up, I don't know that the league looks like it's not a great look. It sucks for fans. But the TV deals keep going up. Yeah, so, you're right. So why is the NBA ever going to do anything about this when it feels like it's a problem? Because I do. I agree. I think it's a really bad look. I think it's a big problem, except apparently financially, it's not even close to a problem. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, m my thing is a lot of players are taking a lot more games off and they're still getting hurt. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. Right, so like all the, all the science that was telling us, no, no, all these different things, and you're like, hey, when are they going to stop getting hurt now? And it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really disappointing. But you're right. I don't. Not, I'm not sure that you know. I see keeps. You know, one article came out three years ago that said, boy, the, the next NBA deal is going to triple the the TV money, and like everybody's just repeated. I've probably heard it repeated a hundred times, and I'm like, you know. With all due respect, you know, that article was a projection. It was three years ago by one individual. Let's just wait and see. But there's no doubt that it's going up. <laughs> it's going to go up. And so you're right. Like, what is the problem? I will say this. Attendance isn't up. You know, uh, for years on end, every year in, in April, the NBA used to send out a release. Record attendance, record attendance, record. Well, those releases dried up even before COVID. There was already erosion attendance. And um you know, like there's some places and like, look, um, ultimately at the end of the day, like if you don't fill your rafters, it's a bummer. But if you get, you know, a 35% increase in uh, TV money, then it doesn't really make a difference. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's as somebody who is a big advocate of, uh, ordinary time, I like the concept of ordinary time. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? It's kind of obscure. Um, I grew up Catholic. And uh, the, there's this whole church calendar. And, uh, you know, there was time around Christmas, which was Advent, and the time around Easter, which was Lent. My favorite time of the year was ordinary time. They actually called it ordinary time. And the, the best time, the best thing about ordinary time was, was in the summer. Because who doesn't like the summer? And I would always love when the church calendar went to ordinary time because it meant with time for summer, you no know, school. And, you know, great weather. You know, I'm from Ohio, so the summer was everything. I love ordinary time in the NBA. I want to have a great Wednesday night in January where John Morant scores 41 and Devin Booker has 37 and hits a shot at the buzzer that wins a game against the Spurs. And uh, Paolo Bancaro, you know, scores the last 12 points of a game and they pull an upset against the Sixers or something. I like ordinary time. That's not saying I think you should get rid of the playoffs, but the NBA has completely de-emphasized ordinary time. And in my mind, in my opinion, they don't celebrate the everyday, the day-to-day -day greatness that they have um, 
in the NBA. So, but I'm an old man, you know, I've got gray hair now. I'm getting, you know, I'm trying not to be good off my lawn, but I'm sounding like it. I think the league is in an awesome place. I watch it um, a lot. Obviously it's my job. And I routinely, I'm like, wow, what an awesome performance. Cause I've got league pass. And when I'm, when I'm when I don't like the game I'm watching, I just go to someplace else. But I realize that's not the average fan, and I realize that a lot of the average fans uh, are getting get bored by the regular season, and you know the NBA keeps sending the message that, that that ordinary time isn't as important. And if you keep telling your your fans regular season games don't matter, they're eventually going to believe you, and that's kind of started to happen, quite frankly. Even though. This regular season in particular is one of the coolest regular seasons we've ever had. But I feel like I've been saying that for a couple of years now. And, you know, just it's it's not a it's not a popular topic. It's more fun to talk about other things. And so I get it. I don't want to be that stick in the mud. I'm with you because last night I'm watching Memphis put it on Milwaukee. They out rebound him 56 to 39. Milwaukee that doesn't give a lot, a lot of transition points, just getting worked in transition. This is all Memphis without Bain, who the update last week is he's out another three, four weeks. I realized Drew Holiday wasn't there. Uh, for Milwaukee, I'm always a little hesitant on the passing of the torch thing. Like Simmons and I were talking about New Orleans where he's like, are they a contender? Are they a fringe contender? And I'm like, until I've seen, like when I've seen none of your guys ever in a playoff series, it's hard for me to buy all the way in. Memphis has more playoff to them than this group of New Orleans Pelicans. But what Memphis is doing in December, 7-0, number two on offense, number one on defense. The point differential is absurd this month. Mm-hmm. It, it's starting to feel like with Phoenix and now the Curry injury and everything else, like, I, again, it's still December, but we may be in the midst of the passing of the torch coming out West, but we're just not sure who that team is. Yeah. I mean, if you're like in the Western conference, like one of the, one of the interesting thing is in things that's going on is like, no matter what's happening with your team, there's so much trauma everywhere else that you're kind of okay. Like the Lakers just had this really rough loss to the Celtics, like completely, blew a game they should have won. But like in the last couple of days, like Lakers have gotten good news. Like, you know, not that you want to celebrate an injury, but like Steph getting hurt helps the Lakers. You know, it's like, wait a minute. You mean, you mean the the Warriors might actually be down here fighting with us? Might be a team we can, we can, you know, make, I mean, heck, if Steph's out a month, Lakers might pass them. I mean, I don't know what'll happen. You know, the the, the Warriors have four more games on this road trip. Are we giving them any? I mean, maybe they'll win a one or two, but they're two and thirteen on the road. They just lost Steph. You, th- you know, they're not winning. They're not going three and one the rest of the stretch. Of course, not. They probably will. Like they could come back. Like seriously, in ten days, the Lakers could be ahead of the Warriors, maybe less. And so all these teams kind of have, all these teams are kind of like ten good days away from being in third, or ten bad days away from being in twelfth, and that kind of is it's actually kind of gives everybody kind of a, um, a soft landing, no matter what happens. Like the Suns have had like three terrible weeks in a row. They're all banged up and injured, but they're like not super duper out of position because of it. But you look at the Grizzlies, like Jaron Jackson. Now he's played 12 games. So I don't want to totally overreact, but it's like the best start to this to a season he's had. And, you know, last year when he came back from injury, whenever that was, and that was a longer recovery. When he came back from injury, he was terrible. He looked terrible for like, um, I don't remember exactly. I don't want to pin it. But it was like, wow, is Jaron going to be okay? Because, you know, they signed with that extension. And they were like, oh, my gosh. So this year he comes back from from, uh, injury and looks great. He's like 
even better on defense than he was last year when he led the, when he led the league in blocks. He's shooting the ball better than he ever has. And so you put him onto that team, which was already doing really well. And the other thing is, like, the Grizzlies continue to draft really, really well. And they continue to draft guys that help them. Help them in their, in their, uh, in their rotation. Like, Saldi Aldema, like, has, like, really helped them. And David Roddy, like, he's played key minutes for them already. And, like, um, you know, I keep thinking about, Zyre's back too, you know, and like when I look at Zyre adapting to his role as a young player, that's pretty rare. Like usually a lot of these younger guys will go the Cam Reddish route where it's like, where's, where are my touches? And Zyre was an on-ball guy, big numbers, high school, Stanford, even though I didn't like it. Yeah. Like he, he looked a little low, but it still was like, those were his possessions. And then to say to a guy that young, Hey, none of these possessions are ever going to be yours. Do all the other shit that isn't cool. And he does it. And even though he's a different player from what I saw from the high school ranks, like that's an amazing I, I credit just to their developmental system and, and Taylor Jenkins to get some of these guys to buy in that quickly. And you're right, like Roddy, Roddy was getting real buckets last night. Yeah. Yeah. They just they handle their business, the Grizzlies. And so, like, I look at them and I go, boy, they could make a midseason trade. They've got Danny Green's uh, contract. And they've got extra first round picks and stuff, but I'm kind of like, they don't want to trade first round picks because they're so good at using them. <laughs> uh, by the way, as an aside, like I'm getting ready for NBA today right now. And I like, um, we were talking in our production meeting about like what we we're going to say on the show. We're obviously going to talk a lot about the Grizzlies, you know, because they kicked the buck, bucks off the floor. And I was going to talk about this. I was like, well, you know, they got Danny Green's contract and they could easily trade him. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, Danny's on the show today, uh, like in person here. I think. So I'm like, oh, that should be fun. I'll talk about how they're going to trade him while he's sitting at the table. That should be an interesting segment. Let's do it. Um, but like, you know, the, th- the thing about, you know, I, there's two types of teams. There's teams that are contenders and then there's teams that are contenders and are upwardly mobile. In other words, they got a guy who's out who will come back or they got a guy or they got like great opportunities to make trades. Like, like Cleveland, for example, is a team I play a lot of attention to. Like they're, the best non-LeBron team they've had in 20 years. Like they are, they got a lot going for them. I don't know if they'll get multiple all-stars, but they should like, they're a real interesting team to play, but they're a flawed team and they're not upwardly mobile. They don't have a guy sitting out who's about to come back. They don't have assets to trade, um, to help them. And they do need help at a couple of spots because they traded everything for Donovan Mitchell. So like, you know, the Cavs are here and congrats to doing really well. They're having a great season. But you look at a team like the Cavs and look at a team like the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are missing arguably their second best player and have all kinds of draft picks and have tradable things that they can do to attach to those picks. And so like when I project, I like look at a team and like, you know, I feel the same way about the Pelicans, although they're um, kind of close to luxury tax and they've never paid it. But like the Pelicans have tradable players and extra draft picks. They're a team and they've, constantly been banged up. I think Brandon Ingram's played half the games or rough close to half the games. They're, you know, they're in first or second place, I guess the Grizzlies and they're upwardly mobile. So, you know, when I see a team like, you know, Grizzlies and Pelicans where they are in December, I kind of can get a little excited about what they can be. Do you like the Pels better than Memphis or the other way around? Well, I think Memphis is a little bit further ahead of New Orleans, but New Orleans is, you know, they got more star power. Um, I hope I didn't cause a 
rumbling in the Grizzlies' force there. But um, Brandon Ingram can win, can carry a team to a playoff game victory. I've seen it. I believe in it. I'm a, I'm a big believer in him. And they have a very, very deep roster that is all versatile. They can go to a real, they can go to a real switch heavy team. They can totally change gears. Um, Memphis's depth, it's obviously there, but it's a little bit more suspect, um, a little bit younger. Memphis, I think, really could use a trade more than New Orleans. Um, I saw this great quote that Stephen Adams said. Um, he was talking about how their team's a little bit crazy. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks is crazy. I'm a little off. You know, Jaws kind of crazy. And he's like, we're not an Apple store. You know, I think he said something like that. We're not an Apple store. In other words, we're not all wearing, you know, polos and tuck, tucked into dockers and and, you know, all wear glasses and have perfect hair and know how all the actual functionality works. But I was kind of like, yeah, but you know what? Some, you could use an Apple store manager uh, at times because. Uh, Hard to find. Yeah. Cause you know, like I think it's really awesome that they like do that tunnel dance and everything like that. And I, it totally engages their fans and Memphis has always been really good about that. Um, you know, really engaging their fan base and it's awesome. And job ja plays with the plays with reckless abandon and everything like that. But you know, sometimes in the playoffs, you need an Apple store manager to get in the huddle and say, okay, guys, let's calm down. Let's just take it easy. Um, actually, Danny Green might be that type of guy, although I don't know if he's going to be able to play. He says he's going to coming back from the ACL, but they do. They could use one more uh, veteran on that team, in my opinion. They, they may disagree, but I think they could. So, uh, but obviously, they're they're a very exciting team. A lot of it kind of comes down, like when you, you know. I think we're seeing this generation of players where I think the smart people were like, "Well, why are we letting other guys touch the basketball if they're not as good as the other guy? Let him touch the ball the most, and then it can lead to like an excessive version of it that we've seen with Harden in the past, that we're seeing with Luca now, where." I think over the course of a season, you're not necessarily building as many habits or you're a side guy. It kind of reminds me of some of the Westbrook stuff back in the day where it's like, so now we're in the playoffs and now you're asking me to bail us out of possessions when for six months we just did it this way. And I think it's a real problem. It's a real problem. So it always, you know, it'll be a Trey Young thing that I'll worry about. I saw something from Ja last night that was very minor. May not even mean anything, but it meant something to me where like Ja normally does, he's killing everybody in the pick and roll. You know, you just don't know what to do with it. You know, Milwaukee's trying. Milwaukee had all sorts of problems last night, right? And I think it might have been Brooks. He's on the right side. Jaw's on the left. Ja probably had the setup for the matchup, the switch, or however he wanted to do it. And Ja was like, no, no, no. I think there's other ball-dominant players that they're con- it wouldn't even be a concept to them to be like, no, no, you initiate now. You go do your thing. I like your matchup. I like those. Our, your spacing better on your side. I think Ja really likes being not only a superstar who can get buckets on everybody, but I think he's a very willing teammate. And in this ball-dominant era, I'm not sure that's always easy to find. Yeah, I think Ja is an absolute treasure. Um, I know it's I know it was hardly uh, you know, groundbreaking and you know, 
being ahead of the curve, but like I saw him play back half of his rookie year, early part of his second year, and I was just like, this guy is an absolute. St-. They weren't winning yet, and I remember talking to people in the organization, going, "Congratulations, you guys did it. You have him." And of course, you know, well, we'll see. You know, blah blah. And they'd say the same today. Well, we'll see. Very quickly, it was clear to me that this is this is um, uh, uh, this is center of a solar system type of guy. And um, that said, I, I do think he will go through. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't predict the future, but I suspect he will go through a couple of playoff runs where he will have to deal with some setbacks and learn how to adapt his game. But he he has a um, he has a mentality that is is there that his he is he is built to be uh the guy who's holding the trophies at the end you know holding both trophies i can close my eyes and see him standing on a stage holding the o'brien trophy in one hand and the bill russell trophy in the other i mean how many guys can you actually seriously look in the eye and say that about it's a very small number i can see him doing that uh, i'm not saying that's happening this year um and i could see it you know early in his second season. In fact, I remember going to my bosses, not to put them on the, on the line, but I went to go to my bosses early in his second season. And I, and I really wanted to write up like jaws, the next one. And, um, then he got hurt. He sprained his ankle in Brooklyn, I think. And we didn't do it, but I was hundred percent convinced of it. And then he, he, he came back and he showed a little bit. My, my bosses weren't convinced. And, you know, it, it, it really took ESPN and TNT, like, to see all of last season before they would start to feature the Grizzlies. And, um, you know, I used to beg in production meetings to talk more about Ja and the, uh, and the uh, Grizzlies on TV. And, you know, I couldn't sell it, you know, I couldn't sell it. Um, but suffice to say that I'm a real big believer in this guy can do it. I really, really am. And, um, you know, I wrote about this last year. The thing about Memphis is they're a very small market. Um, really a, a tough NBA market. Um, uh, the, the folks in Memphis do a great job. It's one of the best-run organizations, not only on the, uh, on the basketball side, but on the business side. They do a great job, but there's a lot of headwind there to make that a functioning NBA market. I'm just going to be honest. I'm from Cleveland. I'm really from Akron. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just trying to tell it like it is. But they have an owner who's got a ton of money. And... You know, he 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 has spent into the luxury tax before. They like, you know, quietly in the middle of the grit and grind era, like snuck into the top five in payroll one year. And like there's some teams where you're like, boy, this team's gonna run into it. Like I like I don't know what's gonna happen with the with the with the Pelicans. You know, the Pelicans don't have deep pocketed ownership. They have never paid the luxury tax ever in the history of the team, even before the Bensons owned it. Like, you know, what, you know, how do, are they going to be able to keep this team together? Are they going to be able to sign all these guys? I don't know. But Memphis, Robert Perry's got a ton of money, a ton. He's one of the richest owners in the league. It doesn't always come through and they don't lavishly spend. I mean, they had that one crazy summer where they spent all that money and signed Chandler Parsons and it backfired on them. So I think they're going to be a little shy about doing that again. But one of the reasons why I really like Memphis's long-term viability is that they have a front office that knows how to draft and develop. So even when they 
are good year over year and they're picking in the 20s, you feel like they can get contributors and they can draft people the other teams will want, they can trade. And I think Robert Perra, when it comes time to shove, will go into his pockets and pay. So, um, you know, I, uh, you know, if I, if, you know, if I was Victor Wembanyama and, you know, uh, there's certain, there's certain teams that I would be worried about getting drafted into. Um, and there's certain teams where, you know, if they were not ideal, like I would never, ever be concerned about not that Wembanyama is going to go to Memphis, but like, like when Jaw went to Memphis, that was good. That was good. If, if Wembenyama goes to Charlotte, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I, like if Charlotte wins the lottery, I don't know. I don't know if that's at the place for him. But like, I believe in the Grizzlies organization. Uh, I think they're headed for really great things. I'm sorry, it's a long rambling answer. Yeah, but you know what? Good for the Grizzlies. They deserve love. They've been the best team in December. Uh, a side note on the Chandler Parsons contract. I ran into him one night out here in the streets of L.A., got a round of drinks. I went to throw my card down. He said, I got this. And the toast was to John Hollinger. <laughs> you know, I love that Chandler leans into it. Um, <laughs> well, when I threw I the card down, he looked well. at me like, he's like, Rosilla, you know how much I just made. And I was like, I do, but I never try to assume. I'm not afraid to, to throw the card down. And he was like, we're going to put that one back. He's like, I got this. And it was like, <laughs> to John Hollinger. And so yeah, that is that is leaning into it. Uh, okay, uh, all right. So I'm I'm with you on this. Like I love this West right now. I love I love this league. I love every night. It is so much fun. The talent is absurd. Like the other night, I was just watching a Denver Portland game, and that's with Porter Jr. out. I was doing tales from the couch, and I'm like, okay, you had Grant, you had Hart. Simons, you had Lillard, you had Nurkic on the other side. You've got Murray, you've got Joker, um, you've got Gordon, you had Bones. Uh, I think Brown was probably out there. And I'm like, that's the 10 of like two middling West teams. Like that's that's a lot of talent out there, you know, at yeah. the same time. And I wonder how much that impacts your early wins, reading the wins of the trade market. So the trade market is thin i think and part of the reason is because there's so many teams bunched together and the play look you can say whatever you want about the play-in tournament there's a bunch of teams who would love to be in it sacramento would probably have a parade and, I, and okay, i'm but, not even but saying technically because i do remember this it doesn't end your playoff drought if you're in the play-in game and That's don't right. win right okay agreed agreed yeah. but like tell sacramento tell me that sacramento is going to be selling if they can make the play-in hell no they're not going to be selling they weren't um, selling before the plan existed. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like, so, like, it it functionally has made more teams interested. So right off the bat, you have, instead of there being maybe three or, instead of there maybe being, by the time you get to mid to late January, instead of, like, there being, like, six or seven teams that know they're done, maybe there's only three or four, in all honesty. Um, that are absolutely outright selling. Number two, the currency in trades is picks, right? Well, there's just not a lot of teams that have picks to trade. So we know that, like, you know, that that Utah's hoovered them up and Oklahoma City has hoovered them up and New York has hoovered them up. And, you know, I guess uh 
Uh, New Orleans has some. Um, but it's more than just that because there's a bunch of teams out there that have these encumbered picks. So like Washington, for example, they traded away a, when they did the John Wall, Russell Westbrook's uh, trade, they traded away a pick um, that, uh, that may not convey until 2025 because of the protections. So if, so if you, so that means you can't trade a pick until 2025 at least. And because you don't know whether it's going to convey in 2020 till 2025. You can't trade 2026. So that means like if you were going to call up Washington and Washington was going to make you an offer, not that I'm saying that, that they would right now. The first one they're talking about legally is 2027. And by the way, that was reality a, like a year ago too. So, and there's a bunch of teams in that boat. Uh, Portland is in that boat. Detroit is in that boat. So not only are there teams that have traded away their drafts, but you know, there's a handful, but there's all these other teams where they're, they're, um, and you know, Miami to a certain extent is locked up where their, their, their hands are tied. So there's just, there's just not a ton of picks floating around out there. Now there are a few teams that are still sort of flush, you know, like, uh, Phoenix is flush. They have all their stuff, but like, I don't know what they can do. They're in an ownership situation. Um, and so like, there's just not a big supply of players available because teams are, are giving up and there's not a lot of currency for when those players are available. So the market in December here is not ripe for trade. I think if you were to survey the GMs now, which I do regularly, you know, not all 30 of them, but you know, I talk to a lot of them on a weekly basis they don't think that there's going to be a, a very robust trade market, but that's what they say in mid-December. That doesn't mean that's what it's going to be. But I saw a lot of um, stories this week talking about the start of trade season. And it's a good topic. It's a good time to talk about it. You know, people like to talk about it. I'm not saying there won't be any trades. I just don't think it's going to be a very active one based on my conversations. Are we going to make it a full NBA season without a really mad star asking out? Yeah, good question. Uh, I, I, there's a couple I'm looking at for next summer, but I don't feel it at mid season right now. I don't feel it now, man, the NBA, you know, one of the things that I do sometimes, you know, I, all my podcasts, I download them and I keep them in a queue. And, uh, sometimes I'm on a flight and like the Wi-Fi goes down, which happens like what about 35% of the time. Like I got to go back to what I've got downloaded and I'll go back and listen to a podcast from like two months before. And boy, do I often sound like a nincompoop. So I want to be cautious to say that, boy, things do change fast and some, some radical thing could happen. Probably should expect it to happen between now and February, but I don't feel it right now. Um, there are some disturbances in the, in the medium term. Uh, that you'll probably ask me about, and then I won't answer because I don't want to get aggregated. But there, there are some, uh, you know, if you're a team like the Knicks, who has all these picks, there's, you know, a short, li- a short list that I'm sure you're keeping an eye on. Um, but in terms of this season, like radical, hardened midseason trade, at this moment, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, it does. It feels weird to not feel it. I would agree with you on that. Like, you know, there's there's always that moment where you, 
you may talk to somebody and it's like, hey, you hearing about this? Yeah, you're right. And you're like, whoa, really? And then it may not even happen for months, but it's at least something you've, you've kept in your head, right? That you're thinking yeah. about going, oh, you know, maybe I'll ask around about this a little bit or like what would have to happen or oh, that situation's even worse. Remember when that guy said to you this, this, and this? But we are, as you are cautiously pointing out, constantly surprised too. But it just doesn't feel like that surprise is there. Like I've operated on the assumption the, the surprise is happening on average every six months. It is going to happen. Yeah. Don't deny it. And yet right now I'm like, where is it? Who's the next mad guy? And I know that's the thing <laughs> about like, the Knicks. Like um, the Knicks fans are exasperated because they're like, we got to trade for a guy at some point. And they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And all these guys come to market and they never do. And they've never been better positioned. And <laughs> there was a guy on the market and they couldn't get it done. And now there's nobody on the market. Um, and so I, I get it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard thing, but that's the thing. Like on one hand, we do talk about trades a real lot and it's can be really annoying at times, but like these trades define the leagues, like go back and you look at the, 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 the teams that are in the titles, you know, year after year after year, it's a team that usually has just made a major transaction in the previous, you know, six to 12 months. Okay. Last year, those teams were kind of more homegrown that, that made the finals, but still um, more often than not that the team that's competing in the title, the title are teams that made major, major moves. And so like, it really is important. It really does matter. There's a reason why people care so much about it. And there's so much time invested in it by these teams. Okay, you said something before about Ja. You can close your eyes and see him with the NBA title, Larry O'Brien, Bill yeah. Russell Trophy, and I completely agree with you. I was teasing earlier this week where I like to do like twice a year. I like to do it after the season's over, but I want to do it like, I don't want to do it the day after we win an NBA championship. I think when we start talking about legacy of players, specifically players, within 24 hours of them winning something, that's when we're the worst at it. We're just awful at it. Because you just feel like, well, what am I supposed to say? Like, I can't say, like, it's going to be weird when LeBron passes Kareem. And then it's like, well, what's that topic the next day that he's awesome? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, (laughs) were you out in the bowl when um, the Lakers, they, uh, I guess you could use the word honored. They honored that LeBron passed magic in assists the other night. I was at and, the and end like, of the bench. Did you see him? And they had, I was, I was waiting. I'm like, what is he going to do where it shows how res- he's, he's respectful, but he's too cool for this right now. But I thought it was the opposite. Like now, granted, just to be fair to describe it, it was like the end of a timeout. There was a timeout, right? like four and a half minutes. They did whatever on court thing that they do, you know, pop a shot for 10 grand. I don't know, whatever, you know, and it's like, as they're coming back on air for television, they say, congratulations to LeBron James for passing Magic Johnson. And it was like, yeah, it, it was like, tepid. Um, tepid. It was predictably was thinking, tepid though. Like I was expecting yeah. it to be that it's magic. I understand. But my point is I'm thinking about it in the context of when he gets close to the Kareem record, like, I don't know. The Lakers, you know, my mind are trending up. Like I feel better about them than I have before. Like maybe in March when he gets near that record, maybe they'll be in like sixth place. I mean, I, 
don't feel great about that, but they could be. But what if they're like in 11th? And it's like LeBron James passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's like this 20-year, um, you know, testament to his incredible talent and staying healthy and staying at the top of his game and developing his game. It's like really like this supreme moment that, you know, we're talking about an award that hasn't changed hands in 35 years and, you know, may not change hands for another 25 years and all this stuff. And what are the Lakers fans going to do? Congrats, man. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I wonder how it's going to be. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. No, I like it. I like it because I, I feel like there's always this motivation to ask you a bigger picture LeBron question, but I don't, I think we already have the answer to it. I think he likes being in LA and yeah. now with Cleveland being who they are, you know, that you always wondered because again, the trade stipulation that he has in his contract with the extension being done the way it was done, as you know, and I'm just explaining to everybody else, it's like he can't be traded this year. So right. I think when things got really bad, it, I don't blame anybody for like forgetting the clause. Sometimes I have to look stuff up again. It's like, no, no, he can't, he can't, he can't just like force his way out. It would have been weird for him to do that. I think his crew likes saying that he always left in free agency, that he was not like the others who demanded a that's trade. True. And that's true. You never would ever accuse LeBron of having like a get out season. Like he always played to the buzzer. Always. Um, look, he, when he chose Los Angeles, it was not 100% to win. Now, he did win, and betting on the Lakers to build a team around him was a good bet, and it did work. They built a team around him, and two years later, they won. Um, but it wasn't 100% based on just basketball. And I think that's played out that way. He's, I think, loves living in L.A., loves being a Laker. He put up a banner. It's a banner that some people like to denigrate, but he put one up. I don't. And I mean, they want it. You know, like there's not any I other agree. fan base that would do what they're doing to the Lakers fan base. Or right. this, if, if they I've said it. This I mean, before. we all know how this works. This drives me crazy about Simmons. It, it, like, out of everything I love about Bill, I just, I can't go here where he, like, you know, like he did that book of basketball. I read it and he, like, goes through and, like, one out of every three titles, he slaps some asterisks on for some reason. And, um, well, the reason the title is so hard to win is because stuff happens for some reason. Yeah, like he's well. This year, this guy sprained his ankle. Well, this year, this guy hated this other guy. Well, this year, the coach was. I'm like, look, man. The reason they're so hard to win is because stuff happens. You know, those years where one team won it and the other team didn't. When the other team didn't, is because stuff happened. The team that won it overcome the stuff that happened. But anyway. I'm surprised he and Doc Rivers don't get along better. <laughs> uh, but. Um, you know, like, I, like on a per, like on, as someone who's been like a LeBron James biographer, I am just not that interested in his Laker tenure. Like, I'm just not as. I mean, I'm obviously watching it closely. We talk but, about but it all you're, the time. Are you okay with feeling like today, like there's no big surprise ever coming? What do you mean by surprise? They're the 11 seed. They lose in the play-in this summer. It's like, hey, actually. Actually, I'd like to go do this. Oh, you mean like he would he would leave? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when he signed that contract extension, it removed. I mean, like I thought, you know, even if he didn't want to leave L.A., I was thinking he he might not sign it just because he wanted to apply pressure. 
you know. Right. That um, used to be his move until he did that first oh, yeah. Lakers deal. Right. Yeah. And he and he and he still c- could have had it. You know, they're you know, they're sitting on these draft picks or whatever, and like he's got no leverage. He really doesn't. He doesn't have any leverage. He's locked in. So when he signed that extension, and I know that the it's kind of like you know, the inverse, the idea, you know, is that, oh no, now that LeBron has committed to us, we know that we have to invest in these last couple of years. And that sounds plausible, but once he's under contract, there is no real leverage. So uh, when he elected to sign that extension and guarantee himself another hundred million, which is not insignificant for a guy who's 37, uh, um, he gave up really being in my mind, being able to force the Lakers into do much and considering how poorly the Westbrook trade went. Um, I can see why he's tried to run away from um, having any influence on, you know, major or, you know, trying to be attached to major Laker moves. Um, I know that everybody pretends like they didn't have anything to do. Like everybody runs away. That's awesome. From, uh, I know. I love it. There's been a couple of times I've talked to somebody. I'm like, Hey man, like you didn't show up to the facility <laughs> the next day going, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> what happened? Uh, you know, what was funny about the, the Kyrie stuff when all of that was happening this summer, which there was a lot of information that, you know, at times you're sifting through it and you're like, why would this come out on this day? Why would the day before Kyrie has to make the decision is there a report emphasizing that Kyrie is more than willing to play for the mid-level exemption? I'm like, why would that be happening? And then it didn't. Although with Kyrie, I said as it was happening, I was like, if there's one guy I have to keep an open mind about I agree. doing something that's completely unpredictable, it would be Kyrie. I thought LeBron not only wanted Kyrie because he wasn't Westbrook, but I think Kyrie wanted the Lakers because there was a feeling that perhaps he's still going to get the contract from them. That they would have been like, okay, this is how we're going to close it out, and we're gonna we're gonna age the way we were supposed to age if we hadn't broken up in Cleveland and all these different things. I don't know how any team would feel comfortable about signing off on that one, but I felt again theorizing here that Kyrie had kind of worked into his head as like it's not just getting out of Brooklyn, it's that I'll actually get paid by the Lakers still. Exactly, I think you're exactly right. So, like last year when the Sixers traded for James Harden, they didn't just trade for James Harden. They traded for James Harden and the expectation he wanted a big contract. Now, they worked it out. Uh, They got him to take a pay cut. They got to take a short deal. They were able to rebuild the roster a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, if Harden had played great with the Sixers last year, he's not taking the $12 million pay cut. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. He's taking the full max, and you're going to be on the hook for it. So when you trade for Kyrie Irving, and this is, you know, at this point, so much has happened. It's just... There's a lot more on that. But if, if you're if you're sitting having a discussion last summer about trading for Kyrie when he was trying to do that sign and trade thing, you're like, you're not just trading for Kyrie, you're trading for Kyrie and the eventual request or expectation that you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. Because, you know, the thing was, it wasn't that the Nets didn't make him an offer. I think there was kind of like a perception that the Nets were like, we're not extending you, Kyrie. No, they made him an offer. And you're, you're, by the way, thank you for reminding us of all of this because it was simply a games played clause. Like he, what he didn't sign is kind of crazy considering the risk that he is. So keep going. I interrupted, but yeah. like it's, it's not, it kind of gets replayed. I'll even replay it in my head sometimes be like, hey, I don't blame them. And be like, oh, then wait a minute. That's right. They were like, hey, we'll pay you all the money. You're just going to play. That's all. And it was, they said no to it. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure what was in the offer, but it wasn't like they were like, nope, no offer. 
come back for next year or nothing, Kyrie. Like that wasn't right. the case. So like, if you're going to trade for Kyrie, like, how do you feel about, cause you know, you're going to have to trade real I, things for him. Like um, the other thing about the concept of a Westbrook Kyrie trade, Westbrook makes like $12 million more than Kyrie. And both those teams are like heavy in the tax. So they were going to have to like really incentivize. So, um, yeah, you know, if you were, forget about it being the Lakers, if you were any team in the league, just forget about the Lakers. Would you be like, oh yeah, we want Kyrie. We ready to sign to that max. I just don't, I just don't think that that's, I think that was, that was an issue is that, you know, what happens if Kyrie gets here and he, and, and it does work out now we're expected to pay him. I mean, that's a, that's the thing. Now, if the Lakers could have got Kyrie for the mid-level, now we're talking a completely different discussion, which is, I think what the Lakers were doing. They're like, we will glad to have Kyrie at the mid-level. Well, no kidding. That was like DeMar DeRozan. Um, you know, uh, two years ago, a lot of people were talking about DeRozan, you know, being a Laker. And DeRozan got $27 million a year, okay? He was never, he was never coming to the Lakers for six and a half. Never. It, it, it's crazy. And like that was a that was a, a narrative that was out there. Now, could there have been a sign and trade deal that could have gotten worked out between the Lakers and the Spurs? I think the Spurs would have done it. The Spurs ended up working out a deal with the Bulls for him, and the and the and the Lakers still had all that Westbrook stuff. They had they had Kyle Kuzma. They had the pick. They had um, Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think there was a deal that they could have made for um, Demar Derozan in a sign and trade for, you know, 20 some million a year, or maybe he gives some discount, but he's never coming for 7 million. So if you're asking the Lakers, would you like DeMar DeRozan for 7 million? Hell yes. Would you like Kyrie Irving for 7 million? Yes. We will be glad to take them, but it's different than saying, would you like DeMar DeRozan for four and whatever he would have wanted? Or would you like Kyrie Irving for a trade and then an extension? Like those are two completely different discussions, even though the basic question is, do you want Kyrie Irving? I mean, that's the nuance that's important to look at when you think about, you know, team building. Okay, last thing here, uh, because it was kind of off the jaw thing that I was going back to, because I just like this. Like, whenever I go, hey, there's really like six, maybe seven guys that truly change who you are as a franchise. You can expand it out if yeah. you get a little bit more lax with the rules of all this. But as it stands now, how many people, as the face of their franchise, could you see when this is, season is over, where it's not a surprise. So, so give me the rest of the jaw list. We'll run through it now. The guys, Just, the guys who you can close your eyes and see holding both trophies. Yeah, let's. It's I the. Mean, we'll call it the jaw list, even though that may maybe it should be called the Curry list. But it started with jaw thinking. Yeah, about the guy it, who's holding sense. them both right now. Right. It should be the Curry list. You're right. But um, you know Tatum. You, I mean, you can see Tatum holding them both, can't you? I mean, obviously yeah, he didn't do great in the finals last year. Um, are you counting guys who have already done it? The, yeah, like, I want I mean, to talk about this season ending with this this image. Yeah, because I mean Giannis already has done it, yep. right? Like, right. you know. Um Zion. I mean, they've never won a playoff series. He's never played in a playoff game. So could I see it someday? Someday, yes. This season. I'm not even sure I could say someday yes. I'm not there yet with Zion. Certainly a candidate. I can't say for this season, no. Okay, Curry. Um, 
Yes, of right. course. Yeah. I mean, I know he's going to be out. Who knows? Maybe that's a blessing in disguise. I mean, uh, I'm thinking about Jokic. I'm thinking about that. I can't with their Jokic. defense. They're even worse now. And I was looking at the December splits versus the regular season splits this morning. I was going through it. They're 27th on defense this month. That's an improvement from being 28th overall in the league. It's hard to take them seriously as a team that can win four series. That's the thing you got to think about. You got to win 16 games. You got to win three series to in your conference. I, I, I'm not there. Like, I can like Dame. Lillard, He's that guy. Like just to jump in, like he is of that status. He, if I'm doing a top five list of players, he's on the top five. He's the rare of like team situation where I just I got to see you be better defensively for a longer stretch. Like I can see Dame Lillard doing it. I can see Luka Doncic doing it. I just don't see it this year. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Okay. So I, yeah. I I don't know if we're talking about this year overall. Like if you close your eyes, you can see Dame holding both trophies. You can see Luka holding both trophies. Neither will happen this year. Okay, so um, Luca's a no for this year. Yeah, I think so. I don't I don't think you can win demanding that much from him. Um also they're just not good on the road. Like you, you ha- like this And they've is- they've they've dipped again defensively too. Like it was a really nice story with the Mavs last year, but like, oh now they're playing some defense and you know, I do like that coaching staff and everything. But like I watched that Cleveland game the other night. And they were selling out on the Mitchell Blitz. They were bringing that pressure way up. They're trying to disrupt their initial, you know, action. And all they did was pass it to their bigs. And if you like big man passing, go back and watch that game. They put a clinic on, get it to the big, kind of that Draymond Green foul line position thing where Draymond, they, they don't even do it that much in Golden State anymore. But they were doing that and then cutters and Mobley and Allen can both pass. And it was like humiliating. Like Dallas, it just was like, hey, this isn't going to work. Um, yep. Mobley is not having that great of a sophomore year, but he's doing the little things really, really well. His passing is like incredible. Passing. Yeah. And he can pass with both hands, which it sounds basic, but, you know, big men don't always have great hands. He does. Okay. So uh, we're staying, I think, staying I think with Booker, this. I think Booker is on the list. Is Chris Paul on the list? Chris Paul's having the worst season of his career. Nobody wants to talk about it. Uh, back-to-back seasons of shooting three, 31.7, 30% this year. The shooting in 15 games this year is 37.5%. I thought when he first came back before the heel injury, he actually was moving fine, wasn't worried about it. But the shooting decline is very concerning. And now that he's been back, had my great. Booker, I was talking so, Chris Paul. Yeah, I know. But I focus on Booker on that team. I know. I know that the whole team stinks of that game seven performance but Booker was a killer two years ago when they got to the finals he had some absolute killer closeout road games and uh, I think I can see Booker holding both trophies I, I, I don't I'm not placing a wager on them but I could see it happening this year I'm a big believer in Devin Booker okay so that's we've got Ja, we've got Tatum, we've got Giannis, we've got Curry. We've got you put Booker on it for this year. Um Embiid. Yeah. I'm a big believer in Joel Embiid because I voted I voted for him for MVP last year. Here's my only assessment about Joel. And if you've listened to me at all on my podcast, I've been I've kind of gotten chided because of how much I believe in Embiid. But Embiid doesn't always 
handle losing great. And when he gets behind, he doesn't always handle it great. And I, and I don't think it's a, a mental toughness thing because I think he's mentally tough. But um, the, he, he and the Sixers have not always handled adversity well, especially at the playoff level. And you could make a Doc Rivers comment here, and I wouldn't necessarily be able to disagree with it. Um, I've been a longtime defender of Doc, but after the Atlanta series, I just I, I gave up. Stop. Yeah, I just... Although one of his players decided he's just going to stop playing in the middle of the series, too. So that doesn't help. But anyway, back to you. <laughs> uh, that was hurtful. <laughs> I mean, when you say stop playing, like he literally stopped playing. Um <laughs> Imagine being a coach being like, wait, I'm going to get the heat on this one. Because when you went back in that series, were they up, what, 20 and six of the five or five of the games? Six of the games. I like, mean, that is I, still one of the most absurd playoff results in recent memory of like when when Philly was right in that series. Like, OK, the natural of order, the natural order of things is going to take place. And then you go and that like it's one of the few compliments I give Trey is that he was the least scared. He was the least scared of anybody that was playing in that series, and that that means a lot. It's just sometimes I maybe would want. He's to be definitely a bit not more scared. scared. Yeah, but I didn't say Trey on that. I didn't say Trey. I can't. I wasn't Trey. even going to ask because people are going to think I'm kidding. But <laughs> I, uh, well, I just, uh, by the way, I hard. like that team. I like that roster. I think Travis and that group has done a really good job. But then when I think about somebody, DeAndre Hunter, who I did, he grow six inches since UVA. He looks like a fucking monster out there. Okay. (laughs) And then I think about his game and then the lack of development. I'm like, how often does DeAndre Hunter get to initiate the offense on his own? Because if he's what you want to be and he's what you've paid for, this big wing that's switchable, that can get you some buckets. Because I've constantly had this own battle. The fact that I've had this internal battle about who DeAndre Hunter could probably speak to my life. But I, then I, it dawned on me the other day, I go, this guy never gets to initiate offense on his own. So how do you ever develop those things and become the wing player that maybe at the high end of his projection he could possibly be? So that was my Hawks roster rant over, but I would agree it's, that it's I didn't hard ask to play with, Trey. It's hard to play with Trey Young. You said sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, the, thund- the, uh, the, the Hawks are one of these teams where you watch them walk in. They're an incredibly impressive looking team. Like these guys, like they've got all these guys with size and obviously Trey doesn't have size, but is one of the best shooters. Like, you know, another team like that is, is, is the nuggets. Um, just, you know, partially yesterday, I, I'm in the same hotel that they're in and I just accidentally happened to be catch them as they were arriving at the hotel. Like they're very, you know, like, they got a lot of they got a lot of impressive guys. And, you know, Jokic is not physically impressive other than his height, but you know better. The the Hawks are a very very impressive team, but they but they aren't maximizing what they've gotten what they've got in the second straight year. So that's a problem. But um, uh, Embiid is a is a really fair one to ask about it, and you're putting me in a tough spot because I'm such an advocate of Joel, but but I'm not sure I, I I'm not sure I can go there. Okay, we'll rapid fire then these last couple. Donovan Mitchell. It's a hard sell for me at the highest level that he can do it because he's just a little bit undersized. Okay. KD? A little bit undersized. KD, well, he's done it. Yes, he can. I don't think he's doing it with this team. 
but yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about just this year. Like they're the four this seed. year. You wake up today. Have you noticed that your oh, Nets God. have won eight of the last ten and are a four seed? Trust in the me, I, I know, I know. I have so much respect for Kevin's talent. So much respect. You want to talk double I, teams? What what he is doing against some of this stuff? I need to figure out that number and like perimeter face double teams. Although post double teams don't kick matter because nobody shoots it from the post. Um, I just want to make sure we didn't leave out anybody here. So we probably did. You know, no, but we. I mean, we haven't gotten to this. Jimmy Butler. Uh, so the thing about it is, Jimmy is completely different in the postseason than he is in the regular season. Like he just doesn't. He just doesn't prioritize it. And I don't, I, I don't blame him. Like he's one of the most, when the lights are on players of this generation. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can see this year's team doing it, but I can see Jimmy holding both. What about Kawhi? I can see it. I don't know, man. He obviously he's done it twice. Um, I give up on Does, the Clippers. I know you guys spend. He's a lot not of time. moving. He's not moving good, and that's why. Like I hear people, like players, both former and current, just they're stunned that he doesn't play more. And I mean, I'm sure that he is being cautious, but I watch him move, and I just don't think he he looks good. And I say that. And I remember that when he was playing for the Raptors, that he would totally Jim Brown it at times. And like, you'd see him like little, like limp up the floor and then just go embarrass somebody at both ends for a half. And you're like, Oh my God, he's incredible. But like, like, so he played really well on Monday against the Celtics, like his best game, like literally in a year and a half. And then I'm watching him on Wednesday against the wolves. And he just, he doesn't look great to me. And so that leads me to believe like there's a reason he's sitting out because he doesn't feel great. You know, I mean, like you can argue about whether you should play through not feeling great. That's a different conversation. But like, you know, I hear people like just say, I can't believe this guy, blah, blah, blah. And I watch him. I'm like, but he doesn't look right. Yeah. So I, I agree with you on the not looking right. Like at the Boston thing, I go, whoa, wait a minute. Do we have a glimpse of this? And you're like, yeah, but that's what happens when you're not healthy. Like sometimes you look healthy. <laughs> I know, Sometimes I, you'll have these moments. You're like, oh, I actually feel pretty good today. But I think defensively is the thing that really scares me. But you guys were good on the Hoop Collective about it, though, because I think it was you that said it. Like when I'm watching him still not looking great, his shoulders, his handle, his diminished athleticism is still impressive physically that he's going to get to his spot and pull up and hit that shot. Now, I don't know what that means in like the playoff series where people are selling out against that, but it's almost impossible from preventing him to getting to his comfort zone and he's going to make it. It's just all the other stuff, you know? So I don't, I don't know. The other stuff has to look. Better. It's also just, it's just really hard to say, okay, yeah, he can play at a high level every other day for two months. I, I, we've obviously seen it, but I mean, how can I bet on it? It's very hard for me to say, oh yes, absolutely. I just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to get there right now, but it's December. So. Well, thank you, Brian, for an hour of your thank time. You. I normally don't Thank keep you. anybody that long. It was just that much fun. Um, let me know if we can make it up to you and make sure you check out the Hoop Collective podcast. It was a lot of fun with Winhorst and his crew. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your holidays. All that stuff that people say. Yeah, I will. I will this year. I've decided. I'm, I am going to enjoy it. Uh, enjoy LA. Take care. 
This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Before we get to life advice, our weekly FanDuel picks contest with just Ryan and Kyle. Apparently, we need Saruti too, also for worst take. We're not done with that. Keep hitting us up on, uh, keep hitting us up on Twitter or whatever. But I, th- I think the way we're going to do it is a little bit more monthly, perhaps quarterly, or we'll just get through like a stretch of a season and then we're going to do it. It just doesn't have enough life. Uh, we just didn't have enough for every week. That was me. Over, I've definitely didn't over deliver, but I don't want to get rid of it because there's still so many funny ones that we have out there. So, all right, Kyle. Do we have standings this week? Because a lot of public money is on that we won't have updated standings again. Yeah, I've got standings. You juiced the stats a little bit, and I think it is working out in your favor. You're uh, at a 42% clip. You're eight wins, 11 losses. I did this game fairly, and I didn't try to do three or more picks in one thing. So I'm five and eight. I'm 38%. So it is working out for you. Steve, who hasn't made a pick in a long time, is at 57%. So I don't know if that's worth saying. It Uh, is. It is. It is. Because I've got to beat Steve. i got to beat Steve. Uh, All right. I don't feel like I juiced it. I just realized I'm not going to go. I I like my chances of going two and one better than one and oh every week. I thought you were afraid of having to take me, like meet me somewhere for lunch or something. You're like, all right, I got to start. I got to throw more picks at the wall here because it was getting a little, it was looking grim for a while. So you're like, no matter what, I'm just going to change the rules. So there's no way uh, I get to pick the dinner or or whatever it is. (laughs) You're really in your head about me not wanting to hang out with you, huh? (laughs) Well, if you were me, you would know. I don't really hang out with that many people. Like, oh, no, I'm aware. I have a new brand. I have a to-do list. Where now every week I'm going to make myself do something remotely social. But the problem is I can't go to the fucking frolic room and drink. Whoa, whoa, hold on. It's not frolic. It doesn't have to be frolic. That's just where I go when I got nothing to do. Yeah, but I assume you're going to want to drink if we're doing anything. And I just can't drink that early. I can't. I got games on. (laughs) And then if I don't drink that often. So if I do, then it's like, okay, I know creatively all the other shit I'm going to work on is like on the back burner. Because you know what you don't want to do when you're hungover is crank open final draft and start unlocking scenes that aren't working. So anyway, all right. All right. So I am uh, creeping back <laughs> to 500, which is where I will end. I promise you I'll be at 500 at the end. And it's just not a brag. It's just, it's just the way the world works. All right. So that's off a good week. We'll stay with it again. We're going three picks going against the public percent of bets. The highest public game right now is Cincinnati minus three and a half at Tampa. Nobody likes Tampa anymore. Take them plus three and a half at home. See if on FanDuel, if that moves to four. Uh, Everybody's betting the Giants at the Commanders. They're taking the Giants plus three and a half. Bet Washington minus, excuse me, it opened at three and a half. It's moved to plus five. That's how many people like the points on this one, or maybe the sharp money. Uh, so take Washington minus five at home. God, that Ugh, sounds It doesn't awful. sound good at all. <laughs> yeah, God, that sounds terrible out loud. But that's the way this works. 
Okay, the next most publicly bet side, the Bills at home, opened at six, now minus seven on FanDuel. Uh, that means you're taking the Dolphins in that weather. Can Tua Tua around his season? That didn't make any sense. Oh my God. That was like a Ravel joke. All We're right. rolling downhill. <laughs> I know. Stop the podcast and we'll see you Monday. So that means you're taking the Dolphins plus seven. At Buffalo. Those are your three fade picks. <laughs> okay. Uh, I lost last week again, but um, I got a really good feeling about the the Jets Detroit over. I'm just doing overs. I'm not getting cute. Joe House took a big dump on my picks uh, in the few seconds before we um, nice. before we uh, started the Bill Simmons podcast. So um, I'm just going to go, uh, what do you guys say, back to the well. I think uh, Zach Wilson's back. Maybe this is a Zach Wilson like last chance game. Uh, and it, Detroit pretty much lets anybody put up points, and they like to put up points as well. So I think it's 43 and a half. Uh, over 43 and a half seems like a, a classic Lions game this year is, is pretty much going over 43 anyway. So um, what can I say? One pick, 43 and a half, minus 110. Another vanilla one for you, just trying to get uh, in the black. Okay. Lions football. Love it. Those are your picks. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life Advice, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Life Advice is brought to you by Chevy Silverado. I'm going to read an email here, Kyle. What's up, dude? What's up? But it's going to play into a little bit of a story time. So I'm going to answer an email question about life advice but then also related to something that happened last night okay 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 guys 63205 checking in wanted to ask ryan what he thinks about people coming up to him potentially saying hi or something like love the podcast man in public settings i'm pretty good at recognizing people's faces even not so famous ones i once flew on a flight cross country that jacoby was on okay former ESPN, jacoby. yeah formerly espn 23 years for jacoby congrats my man. god it's good quite job, a run buddy. Unbelievable. 23 years. The guy's, is that guy like 60? How old is he? Um, <laughs> recognize him, talk to him for like 10 minutes. Pretty sure he was stunned. I even knew who he was. So do people ever come up to you at the gym when they recognize you? And if so, what's, what is the problem like um, coming from a non-famous person? Again, I'm just around it enough to realize how not famous I am. So we'll, we'll kind of put it out there first. Uh, somebody coming up, I, I've said this and I'll say it to people that come up to say hello. When you come up to somebody and tell them how much you enjoy what they do, especially when they put a lot of effort into it, uh, that never gets old. Like it's never going to make, like if you're coming up to say, hey, I appreciate something you do, cool. Um, the only time it's bad is when I don't know you and you say like, hey, you're going to find your right hotel room tonight. Five plus years happens once a week. So that one I'm getting a little sick of. That one I'm starting to, that one I'm starting to, higher of so pivot back to the positive um i went to the legends christmas party last night all the smoke actually taped a live podcast there so shout out to steven jackson matt barnes and it was in beverly hills i don't go up there ever ever and you know there's reasons why people do live up there because then you roll in and legends has this party they're taping the live podcast i think it might have been 100 employees uh, just an aside, I am an investor in Legends. That's why I was invited to this thing. And two things. 
as I'm walking into the lobby to go into the party, I was talking with kind of this basketball lifer guy and he was with Magic Johnson. So it was only like three of us and Magic gets out. It was one of the best DAP transitions ever I've ever had. You're really proud of yourself. It was, it was the smoothest fucking thing ever. And then Magic was like, yeah, man, what's up? Said my name. And so I'm just making a statement now that this podcast is completely pro Magic Johnson. Uh, we're not going to make fun of the tweets anymore. He might get something wrong on Get Up, not correcting it. It was as numb as I am to it. It's still Magic Johnson. And it was fucking cool. Now, there's a really good chance that Magic is probably the best person I've ever seen at being famous. But it was a little bit of letting me feel like a kid again, where I was like, this is pretty fucking crazy, dude, sometimes when you think about it. Now, the reason I really wanted to bring it up is that, you know, I really like the podcast. I like Jackson. I like Barnes. I even have the Matt Barnes Will Kill You t-shirt that I ordered like online, I think 15, no, maybe not 15 years ago. I think I ordered in 09, maybe 2010. And Magic got up there and started talking. Like one of my favorite interviews I've ever done is Dr. J. Because Dr. J, as a kid, he's probably my first superhero athlete. I've mentioned this a few times before, if you don't get it. But the first year I was like conscious of what was happening in games and paying attention to it and then rooting for a team was the 82-83 Sixers, so seven years old. And so I had this weird Sixers thing before it was Boston. I mean, that's the irony of like all the Boston bird and the 80s and all that shit. I actually like like the Sixers, and that's why I like Barkley. Moses Malone is my second favorite NBA player ever. But Dr. J was the first thing because it was like, you have to understand, like being a little kid and the Dr. J part of this, not having access to any of these videos, just hoping one time you'd buy the VHS and watch it over and over and over again. They're like, Dr. J was a shit. So Magic is on this podcast. By the way, it's going to come out in January. And Magic is just sitting up there telling these stories. And he is so good at owning the room. I'm sure that's why he's so great in business. Magic Johnson shows up to negotiate something, ask for something like, it's just going to happen, right? And Magic's going on. And he starts getting up. And he starts recreating the rock and the basketball by Dr. J in that playoff series. You know, cradling it, just rocking it back and forth. And Magic is like reenacting this entire thing standing up. And people are losing it. And it was not that I was surprised. I've interviewed Magic. I've sat in a room with him. Granted, I wasn't talking a ton because Magic Johnson's there. But it was just a little bit of a reminder. Like, here's Magic Johnson talking about going up against Dr. J. Apparently, Dr. J had invited Magic to come stay out with him right after Magic had gone through winning a national championship with Michigan State. So Magic said he was staying at Dr. J's place, got picked up in a limo, and then started going in other rooms, calling his friends, being like, holy shit, I'm at Dr. J's house. I'm at Dr. J's house. Dr. J's wife like cooked him food, like they hung out. And he goes, then seven, eight months later, I'm beating him for an NBA championship. Okay. Seeing all that happen, even though we've all known it, we've heard the stories, we know that it's real, kind of being reminded of it and then seeing it live was just, I don't know if it was a reminder to me, maybe no one else appreciates this, maybe this is a waste of time to tell this kind of story, but just a bit of a reminder, like, this is Magic Johnson talking about staying at Dr. J's house, and then as a rookie winning that NBA championship, and realizing like what it is like to be at the pinnacle of what it is that you do, to do something that's this impressive, that's this important. And then be able to just recap it like you're bullshitting, hanging out with the guys years later. It's almost like we can be too dismissive of some of the historic stuff 
that has happened. It's not like you have to keep reminding yourself of it every day. Hey, remember when this happened, when this happened? But it's magic bullshit about Dr. J. And I, I guess my point is, is that should never be just a normal thing. It should always be appreciated. It should always be impressive. Uh, and it was impressive as hell last night. So there you go. And not making fun of the tweets. Statement issue. Okay, let's get to another one. What are you going to do on Bill's pod when Bill doesn't know about this whole memo thing? Are you going to stand tall on that? Yeah. Because really on Bill's pod is where it's done, right? So it's going to be a couple months from now and then uh, he'll he'll bring it up. You're just going to be no fun during that part or you're just going to come right out and say like, sorry, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's you're pretty reformed, much it. Yeah, you're a reformed sorry. jokester. All right. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward I, to that day. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Here's a podcast related one. So people probably be able to figure this one out. Am I a punked bitch? That's <laughs> punked. Yeah, I got it. Past tense. Thirty three, five eleven, three quarters, and two twenty five. I have the nickname a happy fat in the past, but would like to state that others have pointed out I have decent calves for a guy that rarely works out. Look, if you're heavy, young, you're gonna have big calves science you can figure it out i also do say six feet when asked how tall i am because i'm normally wearing a boot okay we got it uh halloween 2021 i met a girl and thought we hit it off pretty good we went on a few dates i even invited her to the new year's eve getaway in phoenix that my friends had planned this guy's just laying it all out there but i mean it's impossible to cover all this stuff so we're just doing it uh there were about a dozen of us or so uh it wasn't super intimate and she decided to come along also for context we met in nashville where she lived at the time and i lived an hour north but was in nashville very frequently because i have friends that live there fast forward to the middle of january 2022 and she decided to break it off which wasn't a complete shocker to me due to the fact she'd just gotten out of an extremely rough five-year relationship a few weeks before we met so we met we met here october 31 middle of january so we're talking our boy had a two and a half month ride here this brings us to a few weeks ago. Found out the girl, he uses her name. <laughs> I'll try to keep it out. I found out that the girl has a podcast where she dishes out about her relationships and other oh, topics. No. Oh, God damn it. Okay, but is it one that people listen to or is it? There needs to be some sort of check mark on podcasts. Not one that yeah. you can buy. I've seen these though. I don't. No. I don't know. Like I know the ones. Like there's like some ones that are big, and there's other ones where I'm like, I don't know who these girls are. They're just talking about dick sizes and whatever. Like they're just talking about stuff that I'm sure Whoa. the other dude wouldn't want to hear. It's just like scrolling on Instagram and you see it. I'm like, I don't know what this group is, but I, the vibe of the background looks like they're going to be talking about sex, and it's like surprise, surprise, it is. So um, I, I I know what he's talking about. I don't know how many people listen, but uh, well, I know look what he's after, about. after Alex crushed it with Caller Daddy, there was definitely a genre like a wave, going, a, a yeah, wave, a wave. <laughs> like completely dismissing her talents as if every other, you know. Every other girl was just going to go, I can talk about that. Like a, like, like okay. a sports podcast where we're also funny and touch on pop culture, like for the dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love, I love, look, I think that's what mine says. My, my, probably my description. <laughs> I don't know which intern did mine, but um, <laughs> it's like, we'll hit on hot topics and pop culture. It's like to <laughs> hit info on any sports show ever. And that's, that's what will happen. Although those are actually kind of hard to fill out. Then I'll read other ones where we're like, who wrote this one? Chernow? I'm like, this is <laughs> this is unbelievable. Uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying I know ever, what this guy's talking about. That's yeah, I don't saying. know if we'll have any defining, like, 
you know, I, I'm expecting some some girl to like send in an email and be like, hey, he's a solid six one, but he subscribes to Twitter Blue. Like, what do I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like, I know what you should do. Okay, all right, all right. So back to the email. Okay. Back to the email. All right. She's got a podcast, dishes out of relationships, other topics. Obviously, I'm curious, uh, curious what she's going to say about me. So I tune in. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's actually a good, like, hey, what do you do? Like, oh, this is really, that's cool. Like, what are you up to? Like, oh, I have a podcast about all my relationships. Like, oh, okay, awesome. Definitely want to hang out with you. Great. Um, okay. <laughs> so he tunes in to listen to what she has to say about him. It wasn't bad at all until I ended up finding out she'd slept with what was one of my really good friends in Nashville a week or two before she broke it off with me. Okay, uh, let's call him Ernest. Hooked up. Well, why'd she hook up with Ernest? This guy better be good. Who, you know. Anyway, all right. So the podcast host admits on the podcast that while she was kind of hanging out with our emailer, that she had slept with his really good friend, uh, and that they hooked up for another three and four months until she moved to Texas. Jesus, man. Everybody should be able to figure this one out. <laughs> to make matters worse, I'm currently his roommate in Nashville and been best friends with his brother's sister-in-law since 2007, while also being close to their parents. He's also the reason I know the rest of my friends in Nashville. Uh, the girl and I, podcast host, and I weren't boyfriend-girlfriend, but we did have the conversation that we're at least not going to sleep with other people. Ernest, who's 35, has a tendency to use women for their company, although it has been overlooked by the friend group because he's typically a decent human being. So what would you all do? Uh, at least two of our mutual Nashville friends have listened to the podcast. I've confronted Ernest about it. He just says it's a huge regret. And he apologizes that it happened. He seems remorseful. We're adults, so I understand shit happens. But he either didn't have the balls to tell me or he respected me so little he didn't think he needed to. Uh, had I not been living with him or nor best friends with his brother, I probably would just cut ties. I've given him the ultimatum that he needs to tell his brother before the new year, but not sure if that's good enough. Am I overreacting? Appreciate all the advice. Love the podcast. Um, okay. A lot going on here. A lot going on. There here, was Kyle. a lot going on. We did need all that info. You're right. Okay, let's talk about the relationship first. You didn't live in the same place. You met. You probably had sex for two and a half months. You'd never talked about it being boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, the rules for that usually favor one party pretty heavily. And in this case, you know, she didn't look at it as like, you were her dude. You kind of knew she wasn't your girl. So there's an overlap there that doesn't feel great. Okay. Yeah. Now, you probably joked about it, right? Like, oh, you're not, you're not out there doing anything, are you? Like you probably was probably like a joke. Cause he said they talked about it, but if you're not boyfriend and girlfriend, how could you talk about it? it and by the way, an offhand joke. Or nobody, nobody talks the way we suggest that pe we'd like to be Correct. talked to. That's okay. Right. That's my other like <laughs> mantra. Like, we're Good talked point. to the way we can handle being talked to. And that's why, the public talks to us the way that we do. Nobody'd say, "Hey, look, I'll probably, I'll probably have a side guy at some point, and like, you know, this is kind of fun or whatever." But I don't see it going anywhere long term. So, honestly, like, I'll probably, I'll probably bang a couple dudes, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> inside, whatever our window is, like, I'll go home with another dude, just so you know, right? Nobody says that. Nobody says that. Now, as far as it being a friend, and that was like ruled out. That wasn't supposed to be ha happening. Yeah, sure. This guy doesn't respect you enough. Okay. But he wasn't going to tell you either. 
he wasn't going to fucking tell you because unless you're like super, super close, which I don't know if you are, it sounds like it's you're super close with one part of it. And then you met this guy and then you're living with him. Um, so yeah, he doesn't respect you, but he also wasn't going to tell you, he wasn't going to tell you until he got busted. And now you're demanding that he tell his brother who you're closer with, right? Yes. Or, I think that's what, that's what I got. Yeah. He has to tell his brother before the new year or something is what I heard, which doesn't really seem like a big punishment. If they're brothers, they'll get right, over it. Right. So, Best I mean. friends with the brother and the sister-in-law. So the brother and then the sister-in-law. Um, and that's why I hooked up with this guy. Okay. Uh, Look, it happened to me once. It happened to me in college. Like a guy did something like with the one girl he shouldn't have done it with. And everybody knew about it. And nobody fucking told me. Nobody told me. And then when I finally figured it out, it was really weird. I just sort of figured it out one night. No one told me anything. I just figured it out. But I didn't figure it out until like the year had passed. And then everybody was leaving. Everybody was graduating. Everybody was gone. And I was fucking furious about it. And then I'm running to guys who I think are my closest friends who knew the whole time. They're like, what were you supposed to do? Like, Nobody goes, hey, dude, guess what? And that's it. And then the other thing that sucks for you is that this is what sucks. Okay, again, I don't think this falls into technically cheating because it didn't seem like it was that locked up of a relationship, but it bothers you because it's somebody who's, you clearly liked her a little bit more than she liked you. Um, she slept with one of your friends that she talked about it. Like the way you found out is really fucking weird. Hit that subscribe yeah. button. It's a new review. age sort of. <laughs> That's yeah. a Would new age a problem. <laughs> three star on that episode. Uh, <laughs> the thing that sucks about when this happens to you and then it's in this friend group is that then you end up receiving most of the punishment because you're the one that wants to cut it off, which I totally understand you wanting to do. But there's also part of it where the calculus is, wait, now do I, I lose all my fucking friends? <laughs> Like I lose this friend group. It sounds like you'd still be really good friends um, with the brother, but I'm I'm wondering. Like you're you're upset. What do you what do you expect to gain out of this? You already know the roommate guy, Ernest, doesn't give a shit about you. She slept with him because she didn't take the relationship seriously. It kind of sucks, but it wasn't like you were engaged to her. You know, it wasn't like you dated her or lived with her for like two years. This is what happens. Like there is overlap, especially if you're in a social group that's going out and doing fun shit and you're in cities like Phoenix and Nashville. Okay. Like this stuff is going to happen. So what I'd say is you're right to be upset and not like it. Nobody's judging you on that one, but don't, you know, go nuclear codes here on the entire dynamic. And then you're left with the shrapnel of friendship where you actually paid an even bigger price than anybody else did because you were so prideful of the whole thing. Fuck Ernest. Fuck him, right? But he doesn't he doesn't give a shit about you. The girl doesn't give a shit about you. So cool. It's a good thing you didn't hang out with her long term if she was willing to do this. But my guess is that it wasn't all that serious. So I think you need to constantly look at this through that lens. Like none of this is really that serious, even if I don't like it. You'll get over this one quicker than you would some of the other stuff. Yeah, I think I think what what you said was right about like what do you what is there to gain at this point the girl's never coming back she's already she's already talking about you to i mean however many people are listening to this uh podcast and also like him saying that he wants the the guy to tell his brother you know i kind of said it earlier it's like they're, they're brothers they're gonna get over it no matter how close you guys are as friends you guys might be best friends that's still his brother so like I don't know. I don't know what you're accomplishing by having this guy tell his brother by the new year or whatever, whatever that little, you know, section of the email was. I would just go, I just go cold towards this guy. 
I mean, if you have a Christmas present, gift it to somebody else. You know, it's it's getting that time of year. Like, just just shut it down, shut it down. Um, and if the and if the brother asks you, like, what's going on with you, then you could tell him. But I think to, I think you're right. Like, what? There's really nothing to gain. The guy's not going to excommunicate his brother. You guys are still living together for however long. I don't know. I mean, how long that's gonna, how long that's gonna last? But I would just, I would just shut it down. Like just be noticeably different. You don't have to be mean. Just definitely don't be nice. It's just sort of like, this is a, this guy's excommunicated um, from your fun part of your life. And I think, I think he'll feel that. And you don't have to go over, you know, you don't want to be like, well, what's wrong with Brandon? Brandon's been so mean to everyone. He's such a grouse. He's just not into the other guy. That's all. I'm just not talking to you anymore. Cause I don't know what else there is to do. You've lost in almost every single way. Um, I think you just kind of would keep losing by doing anything else. And I think, I think whatever you think this conversation between the, the brothers is going to be, again, they're still brothers. I don't think, I think your brain is thinking it's going to go a little differently. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like hold out for some, some great resolution by, you know, your, your best friend finding out his brother was a piece of shit to you. Cause I mean, they're brothers. That's kind of the, it's kind of the point of being brothers is, is that you get, you get past shit like this all the time. And by the way, like some people are really weird about the rules. Right. And again, I don't, I don't know how much I feel like a loser talking about this stuff sometimes, but like I dated somebody pretty seriously. And then again, I was like, I think I was 22 and maybe 23. I don't know. And it was, you know, a, a real relationship. We took a break and I think like that week, uh, one of her friends came back to the house that I was renting with a bunch of dudes. So it wasn't like, you know, it was, it was like sort of a one-off. And then like, I don't know, I think we, I think we made out or something, right? In the kitchen, not even a big deal. And then I was like, fuck. I was like, I can't I'm believe, <laughs> I can't believe we did that. I was like, I feel like a dick. Like that's, you know, I can't do that. All right. Whatever break I'm on, like we know we were going to get back together. I'm like, we can't do that. And we talked about it straight up. And she was like, well, we're not together. So, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you're, that's how you're processing this? Like, you're okay with it? And then I found out that she was like, yeah, no, I went on like two dates during that time. I was like, you already had dates lined up <laughs> yeah. that quickly? Yeah. I was like that, you know, so sometimes people are a little, so maybe he's looking at it's like, hey, you aren't really dating her. So, Sorry. Um, although that guy, that guy's probably thinking like, imagine how annoyed he was, even if he doesn't like our emailer, right? But he liked him enough to live with him. <laughs> and this thing's kind of fucked up. But imagine how annoyed he is being like, did you really have to do that episode? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What was the so rundown that day? <laughs> I've been sick to my stomach for three months. And now you just, I'm like, oh, didn't see it went ending this way. Right. I was wondering how he's going to find out. Didn't think it would be this way. Thanks for that. <laughs> Segment one, health and wellness. <laughs> Segment two, is Helen Mirren everything? <laughs> Segment three, talk about that guy sort of dated for like two months and then fucked his roommate. Okay, done. That's a show. <laughs> Make sure we give out our gambling picks. Today's life advice was brought to you by Chevy Silverado. Learn more about Chevy Silverado at Chevy.com. Love the Silverado, by the way. Okay. Love my man, Kyle. Thank you, as always. The Ryan Russillo Podcast, Ringer Spot. But what do you get going on this weekend? Um, I'm going to be, I might be doing the 7 a.m. Um, thing. I mean, Frolic Room's opening at 7 a.m. tomorrow. You believe that? 
Uh, I don't think I could. I don't think I could swing it, but I've been invited by many people. Also, was just gifted a gold chain. I'm a gold chain guy now. I'm gonna try that out this weekend. Just pop it out for you right now. Uh, okay. I really liked how that's going. Some people haven't noticed. Some people have. You hadn't said anything, so I did want to just put it on the radar. But uh, I've Thank been you. liking my life as a gold chain guy. So uh, who knows what this weekend will bring? Maybe I'll get into a vendetta. That was a lot. At one point, I almost regretted asking. Now, I definitely don't regret asking. Gold Chain, Frolic Room opens at 7 a.m. I actually may open the show on Monday with you, not the NFL. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks, you too.